0: I will be playing my college football at the University of
1: Drops to the 50 now steps behind the 50 runs to the right side of the 45 Wisconsin to the 40 throws it long down the field toward the end zone Devin Smith
0: Devin Smith
1: he's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone. with the first pick in the 2023 NFL draft
0: Wolf Wolf is all I can say welcome back into TFU Josh this week has aged me by at least 35 years one game in particular and we're just gonna jump right into it number seven washington outlasts number eight oregon 36 33 and what i can only call the game of the year
1: yeah 100 percent game of the year so far the the start of my notes uh roma dunze him troy franklin him Jalen polk him bucky irvin him michael Penix, him that this game had everyone that was a name before this go off it was just it lived up to all of the hype it was a superb game i said it before and i'll say it again these are teams that should be ranked higher than they were at the time i think they're better than I think they're better than the rankings i think they're still better than the rankings and man they they played a absolutely superb game of football superb game of football
0: this was 60 minutes of two gladiators going at it two great offenses two very good defenses i damn say great defenses you it had everything it had deep balls, it had run game, it had turnovers, it had fourth downs, it had missed field goals. Like, it's rare that we get a game that was hyped up this much and then live up and, I think, exceed those expectations. Josh, these two teams play 100 times. Oregon wins 50 of them, Washington wins 50 of them. And on Saturday, Washington won this one, and it was behind the arm of Michael Penix. Outside of, like, you know, two throws, he was perfect. And then Roma Dunze looks every bit like a top ten NFL draft pick. He was just destroying all the Oregon corners. Triquise Bridge just destroyed him. Jaleel Florence tried to cover him, destroyed him. Like it, it was absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic game. And and you know there was there was moments in this game where I thought Oregon were going to get it done. There were moments in this game where it looked like Washington were going to get it done. It was back and forth the whole time. The, the Oregon defense played a great game. I thought they. I thought for for large segments of this game especially the first half they had they had Penix's number they were the pressure was getting after him it was it, I mean pressure's a great way to stop any quarterback and they were they were getting after him and, and it was causing him some problems he was sort of out of rhythm what wasn't quite getting wasn't quite getting the time he'd been used to because this Washington Lions been playing really well all year and you know it was a, it was a, it was a real test for him but they managed to get it done and, and the second half they came back and and Roma Dante was just man I mean I asked you for your receiver rankings this week, and I think he started to started to climb towards the top again, uh, even challenging, you know, Marvin Harrison as good as we know he's been. But man, Robert Danze looks looks superb. The big thing for me in this game was was some of the decision making from Oregon. The fourth down, the, some of the play calls on fourth down were confusing. And you know, I'll be interested to get your thoughts on this. But I, I really like the aggressiveness. I like the situations that he went for the fourth down. I know, you know, they say kick, take the lead, and and, and force them to score a, score a touchdown. But Man, it was uh, it, it was just the plays that they went with. Like, I just can't understand. Like, I sent you a, I sent you a, a drawing of the play, just kind of scribbled over, uh, on the broadcast where they mm-hmm. had the three by one with Troy Franklin out on the wide side, and they had him running a like a seven yard comeback, but they had perfect leverage for the clear out drag underneath slant concept, mm-hmm. uh. And, yeah. and just didn't even look that side. Just forced the forced the ball to the to the left hand side and, and and to the hitch. To, the receiver falls down, and you know they. It's a it's a walk in score. It was just a and that's just the first one. But I'll I'll let, I'll let you go on this because it's uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one.
0: Well, I I don't want to get into the, the fourth down talk just yet. I, I still kind of want to talk about this game as a whole. And let let's start going back to the Oregon defense getting pressure on Michael Penix. That pressure worked against him all game long. And I think he only had like two throws where he took pressure and made a completed pass. And Orton was saying like a variety of pressure. I'm not sure if this was a Dan Landing designed defense or a Special designed defense, but it was tons of delayed blitzes, stunts, loops. And then even the defensive linemen and the edge rushers were getting their hands up at the line, batting balls down. It was about as perfect as pressure as you could get on them. And then when they would drop seven in the cover, it would drop eight in the cover, it, it wasn't working. He had all day. and pick apart the Oregon DBs. We said in our preview that Oregon's secondary is not the strong suit of this team, and they absolutely struggled. Evan Williams, the safety, is uh, not not it for the Oregon defense. And credit to Washington. They had a great game plan of not only attacking vertically, but attacking sideline to sideline. I did not know that Washington had this run game in them. Dylan Johnson, 100 yards flat. And one score averaged five yards a carry, and Washington has dominated sideline to sideline. And that was on both sides of the offense and defense. But when Oregon, you know, was attacking inside the tackles, both on offense and defense, they won. It was absolutely a perfect. And it, yeah, we, we can get into the fourth down talk now. um I absolutely agree with all three decisions. However, I do not agree with the start on that First, fourth down, you have, I think, five seconds left, six seconds. You have one timeout. It's third down, and organ sends Treshawn Holden in motion. Washington has a guy running on late onto the field. They only had 10 men on. The 11th come on late. The motion forces Washington's defense to get out of sorts, and Holden is wide open in the flat, and Bo Nix throws a one-hopper. Incomplete. Now it's fourth down. They roll right, and this is going to be a theme. They roll pocket right and they only had two receivers going to the short side of the field, and Bo Nix just couldn't get anything, had to throw it away, end of half. At this point, Oregon was down four, and you're thinking to yourself as a coach, okay, I am not going to win this game with, you know, we need points. Three points is not going to do us all that well. We need points. Then we'll go to the second. Actually, let me just finish. Give Bucky Irvin the damn ball. Let him run on the goal line. You have one timeout. Just let him run the ball. Then on fourth down do a dumb play call the second fourth day when it was your f- second drive out of the halftime fourth down you didn't get it but you get the ball start second half you go three and out you force a three and out you get the ball again this i think was the right decision to do again it's just bo Nix missing the throw he missed Trayshawn holding it like you said josh on that clearing route that's a tough one and i sent you and tf team you know some videos i was re-watching that texas game from the all-22 bo Nix cannot read the field he, he is a one-two-read kind of guy. And the second he has to see that, he drops his eyes and he misses. And this was a one-look kind of play where he had Troy Franklin, who, granted, is probably the best or second-best player on the field for you. And he thought that one-on-one matchup with the curl would work. It was great coverage by the defender. I, Yeah, okay, I'll take a five out of ten chance that Troy Franklin gets that. But throw the wide open fourth down. That, that one's it tough. Was, it,
1: it was weirder to me because it was just like such a. It looked so open pre-snap, like when you know you've got that concept on, and he didn't even look at it. Like, there's there's not reading the field once you've snapped the ball, and then there's not reading the field when you're like pre-snap. Like, what are you looking at then? Are you just lining up, snapping the ball, and reacting, or are you you count, trying to calculate anything?
0: I think it's literally he saw one-on-one covered on the outside of like the best receivers. Like that's that's my matchup. And Troy Franklin, in that first half, really was a non-factor. It wasn't until the second half that he really came alive and, like, showed America that he is probably going to be a late first-round pick, early second-round pick. But I digress. The fourth, or the last fourth down for Oregon when they're trying to ice the game away. And run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They get stopped on third down for a loss. and you're All right, fourth down. If you get the first down, game's over. Washington's out of timeouts. I absolutely agree with going for it because they're on like the 50 or maybe like the 42 of Washington. A punt's not going to do you any good. You held the Washington offense for a little bit, but you just know Penix is going to get his. He's going to go score. I love the idea, again, but I hate the play call. Don't roll to the short side of the field and really only give Bo Nix two options. I saw a lot of replays on the internet of like, oh, he had Troy Franklin open on the backside drag. Like, in in no world does Bo Nix make that – or there's like maybe four quarterbacks that could make that throw of throwing back against the defense in between the linebacker, safety, and then I guess it would have been the slot corner that would have broke on it. It's either you're throwing a pick or you're saying Troy Franklin's in <laughs> the hospital. Like, it was just a great defensive adjustment by – washington and what really was tough for oregon is the kicking game like man canon lewis that's tough
1: i do want to quickly shout out the amazing goal line stand they had when it was 33 29 about six minutes left man that was a superb superb stand by the defense they played they played so well game but that stand was special i know they came back and lost but i can't wait to watch that that
0: sequence of football in the tape and Really, that is the difference in the game was, like, fourth down execution. Washington, I think, went two for three. Oregon, zero for three. If Penix keeps that ball, though, instead of, like, handing it off, he gets it. He scores. But I think Penix was so banged up. Like, he was wincing and grabbing his ribs. I'm honestly surprised that on Washington's last drive that he was able to, like, stand in the pocket and deliver because he was getting smacked around all game. It And what I think is just – anguish for Oregon fans is this is the exact way Oregon lost to Washington last year. Pivotal fourth down. If you get it, you can ice the game away. And two bad fourth down calls prevented that. And then what happens? Washington gets a chance. Michael Penix delivers to Jalen Polk and Roma Dunze. And a Williams brother, last year was Bennett Williams, this year is Evan Williams, was not fast enough at safety and cannot get over to the sideline resulting in a long touchdown and then you know oregon has a chance to drive down and either win the game or send it to overtime and they just couldn't execute just a couple last thoughts though on this game josh um if you're an oregon fan do do not get down you will see washington again in the pack 12 championship these are the two cream of the crop of the conference um, I think these are both playoff caliber teams. Washington only went up Washington went up to five in the rankings, Oregon only dropped down to nine. I think Washington's probably three or four in my books. This was their first test of the year. This was Oregon's first real test of the year. I think both of them passed with flying colors. Um Penix is with no doubt the Heisman front runner right now. Uh shit, he might even be the second or yeah, he might even be the second quarterback in this year's draft based off how he's played, he's just so damn good and just so calm in the pocket. It's incredible. Yeah, he
1: he looks like he has the processor that we look for. That that ability to he goes through, there was, there's points where he's going through like four or five reads, going like full field, able to just see exactly where the holes are in the coverage time and time again. It's it's yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch and I think he's climbing a lot of a lot of draft boards right now.
0: Yeah, my only hang up on him is, you know, 6 year senior he's had injury history hopefully that you know can at least get him drafted and get a nice little guaranteed contract because i'm not sure if he'll be a a long-time nfl qb but jumping over to the other top team in the pac 12 and the consensus number one quarterback caleb williams and number 10 usc traveled to south bend and Notre Dame's defense just bludgeoned USC. They beat them with a bunch of shillelaghs. And if you look at the score and saw 48-20 and you didn't watch a second of the game, you probably would have thought, alright, Notre Dame just ran all over USC's defense. It was a bad USC defense and they just ran all over them and Caleb Williams, you know, he got them there but just couldn't keep on the field enough. Nope, not at all what happened. Caleb Williams looked like trash threw three interceptions, was sacked about six times. I've never seen this USC team implode like this. This Notre
1: Dame defense was insane. All game. Caleb had lost all game. There wasn't a single drive where he looked comfortable. He had to scramble for everything he got, and the picks were ugly. They were like all rushed back foot, just lobs to, to no one. They were they were some of the worst picks that, you, that you'll see, and some of the worst ones to take as a... When, when you're coaching because they're the balls that you say do not throw but man they I know you said didn't, they didn't just run all over the offense but uh, this uh, or run run all over the USC defense but this uh, run game was rolling in this uh, <laughs> in this game but uh, they didn't have to do they didn't have to have too many kind of full field drives they uh, the defense set them up nicely a few times and uh, yeah this was a this was an interesting one because we both said we liked Notre Dame last week on the pod but I didn't have them beating them to this extent i thought this was going to be much closer but man that defense had caleb scrambling from the from the first snap
0: arizona state showed the cracks colorado kind of chiseled away at them and then arizona gave the blueprint and notre dame just executed like fuck. they just blitzed the hell out of caleb and they were dropping guys in the cover they were showing them mixed looks Again, I don't know if Marcus Freeman was designing the game plan for today, but, hey, hats off to whoever did it. Uh, Caleb Williams was under 200 yards. First time in his career, he's thrown three interceptions. Notre Dame defense also forced two fumbles, scooped one for a touchdown. Uh, Shout out Xavier Watts, dude. Two interceptions, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, had a massive game. And if you don't know who he is, he's the DB that dropped the interception against Ohio State late. So to see him turn around and kind of have just an all time performance like that's that's cool to see. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. I I think Notre Dame won in multiple phases of this game, but most most importantly to me, they won both oh, uh, lines. They won the offensive line battle. They won the defensive line battle. They, the D line were feasting all game, and the offensive line were just just mauling this USC defense. There's there's some real trouble on the horizon for USC because. They've got some real big games coming up, and we'll get into some previews later. But if you kind of take a look at their at their schedule, they've got some they've got some real tough games coming up. They have got you know uh, Utah next week, U- uh, Cal the week after, which is a tough defense. Washington the week after that, Oregon, UCLA. These are all all games that they could they could lose in just because this defense is not that good. And there seems to be a little bit of a blueprint to uh, to beating Caleb now. A lot of the the pre snap rolls, as you said, a lot of movement pre pre-snap on the defense, rolling coverages, disguising coverages, which, you know, you don't see too much of in college because it's really complex to do, it's hard to do, but some of the defenses that he's about to come up against will do that, and yeah, it's going to be a, a rocky road for uh, for the Trojans.
0: So, I think it's interesting that you said that Notre Dame's offense kind of beat up on the USC's defense. I actually don't think that, going back and watching the game, USC's defense actually Played a pretty good game. It might have been their best game of the year. Like, granted Notre Dame was, like, their average starting field position was, like, the 35. The opponent's 35. Sam Hartman, you know, was very much a game manager. Only 136 yards in the air. Completed about 50%, 60% of his passes. And I think, what, 126 yards in the air and 40 of them came on a long touchdown pass to Chris Tyree. Like, he was not doing much. Audrick Esme had a great game, but... Still held under a hundred yards. The Notre Dame offense, the issues have not really been addressed. Th- this offense has regressed pretty significantly since those first couple three weeks, and in the last three games ha- haven't shown all that much. And I-, I think it's interesting for Notre Dame because this defense keeps them in so many games. It kept them in the Ohio State game. It kept them in the Louisville game up to a certain point, and the offense wasn't able to capitalize this week they did capitalize because i hope you can punch it in from the 30 and when you have arguably the best running back and one of the best offensive run games you should be able to push around this usc defense i know props to usc's defense i think they played pretty solid uh but yeah josh good luck usc because you're playing the two best teams in a pack 12 you're playing probably the third best team in the pack 12 and UCLA might be the fifth best team in the Pac-12. USC is... Um, I would not be shocked if they lost those four games. Yeah,
1: I, I wouldn't at all. I wouldn't at all. Especially with the way this this offense kind of looked this week. And the, the cracks, the major cracks that we've seen on, on defense. I do want to say we did call for... a. Uh, call for some improvement on the offensive line for for Notre Dame after last week we said they needed to have a bounce back a bit of a bounce back game and I do think they had a decent game I'm excited to go back and watch the tape of this one I, they didn't give up a sack all game you know uh, Estime ran did run quite nicely um, so there's, there's some improvement there which I think will, will help the offence but you are totally right you know, Sam Harmon was very much a game manager in this one with, with only 126 yards through the air but the the, the line was a where, where you need to start to see an improvement on a, on an offense that's kind of had the wheels fall off, and that will that will start to serve them well as they go into go into the late part of this season.
0: I Yeah, I absolutely agree. And just a couple of last thoughts on this game. Uh, yeah, USC has still not won South Bend since 2011. Uh, I read a stat that it took Brian Kelly, like, 12 years to have two top 10 victories at Notre Dame, and Marcus Freeman has done it in two years, so... Irish fans I know they were calling for his head after that loss to Louisville that's understandable that was a tough loss but man he he can show up in big games he his losses are to like Ohio State twice Oklahoma State in a fiesta ball that was a good team you know a tough Louisville team and then yeah you had that Marshall and Stanford loss but hey he's a good coach give him time um and yeah uh Notre Dame's they don't have any more ranked teams Going forward on their schedule, toughest game is probably going to be Clemson at the beginning of November. Uh, They're still in a position to make a New Year's Six Bowl. And USC, you got to figure it out on both sides of the ball. You have your offense figured out one week, and you get your defense figured out. You got to put it together. You can't play football on one phase at a time. You got to play actually all three phases. And USC actually kind of got back in this game for a hot second, late in the third, early in the fourth. And then when Notre Dame took that kickoff back, it was like, oh, okay, never mind. 48-20 is not very indicative of how close this game was. It honestly probably could have been, like, 48-7. But a team that did play three great phases of football is number 12, UNC, as they pull away from Miami, 41-31. to And, Josh, all I have to say is, Tez Walker? Tez Walker.
1: Tez Walker looks incredible. UNC, win their fifth straight against Miami, remain undefeated, and... You know, getting Tez Walker back looks like this team and this offense is about to elevate to another level. They said they missed him. We knew they missed him. Didn't know he was going to be this good. I think this guy has climbed almost immediately into my top five, six receivers now. This guy was so much fun to watch. Quick lightning off the line. Like sharp, sharp breaks. Good hands. Good with the ball in his hand when he's in the open field. Yeah, I'm excited for what this UNC defense, uh, offense is about to become. And I'm excited to see what, what this does for Drake May because we've wanted to see some some better games. I thought he was good last week. I thought he was decent again this week. So we missed a few times this week, but I think a lot of the throws that he did make were very nice, still came out with a decent line. It was four scores in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this does to this UNC offense because they're trending in the right direction right now.
0: And I was kind of hard on Drake May in those first couple of weeks for his slow start. Maybe it's because he didn't have his best receiver playing. Like, <laughs> in the last two weeks when Tez has played, Drake May looks like a different quarterback. He's making those NFL throws. He's putting zip on the ball. He is putting them into tight windows. He's making progressions and reads. And he is looking all the bits like, okay, like that first-round quarterback that we we're thinking and it's not just Drake May on this offense that's killing it. It's Omar and Hampton, the running back, almost 200 again. yards on the ground. <laughs> like, th- again, this is a three headed monster of May, Hampton, Walker. Like, I would be scared shitless if I am any ACC team because you have to defend against three great players. Like, that there are a few teams that have a legit quarterback, running back, receiver, and that's it's a scary thing also shout out to the unc defense forcing four turnovers against miami like that that was a big difference maker they made tyler van dyke uncomfortable in the pocket they got to him i think like four or five times picked him off twice forced two fumbles like they they won on all three phases of the game and this unc team they're now ranked 10 in the ap poll this is looking like a legit playoff team. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. This is a legit playoff team, especially if the defense keeps
1: improving like they have been as well week to week. Do you want to say? Uh, I, know, I know we shooting him every single week, but Van Dyke had a couple of really nice throws in this game. He had a really nice throw in the second quarter. The the go ball down the sideline was a uh, was an absolute dime. But then he also threw up a couple of uh, a couple of ducks as well. So uh, I think that's the uh, the classic Tyler Van Dyke experience. Uh, Omari, and Ham, uh, Omari and Hampton is absurd though he's averaging almost 6 yards per carry on the entire season like every time he touches the ball Given the ball twice first out every single time this guy is just electric I'm mean, very excited to see what he does in the league because he's going to be he's going to be great
0: UNC's kind of had a run of like damn good running backs like Javante Williams um, Michael Carter now in Hampton, like, in the last couple of years, like, good on you, UNC. Like, they're fun. Uh, he's also effective in the receiving game. He had a receiving touchdown as well. I do want to go back to Tyler Van Dyke because I think he did play a lot better than he did against Georgia Tech. I think it was the – it might have been their last score, and it was like, kind of meaningless, but he fits in a tight ball to, I think it was uh, Restrepo and, like, elevates up over a defender and then behind a defender it was a great ball just Miami's you know you yeah you got outclassed you got outbeat it's still a pretty good Miami team but you're not gonna beat this UNC team Josh I think it would have been the funniest thing ever though if first play Miami came out and kneeled the ball <laughs> that would have been the funniest thing <laughs> of all time that would have been incredible <laughs> yeah UNC uh Florida State are looking like the two classes of the ACC. And I'm excited to watch them play in the ACC championship game because I don't think anyone's going to keep up with them.
1: No, I think I agree entirely. Next game I want to dive into is the Oregon State-UCLA game. And I think this is the Oregon State defense against UCLA. This Oregon State defense was superb as they steamroll UCLA 36-24. They picked off Dante Moore three times in the first half, sacked him five times. This was uh, a another monstrous defensive showing.
0: Welcome to Power 5 football, Dante Moore. Yeah, from the get-go, Oregon State's defense just harassed them. First drive, get interception. Second drive, three and out. Third drive, interception. Like, next thing you know, you blink, you're down 13-0. In a tough place to play as well. I think the worst interception, though, was, I think it was like his second he's right for half, or no, maybe it was third if it was right for the half. He's trying to throw the comeback or, like, out late. And the corner, who's probably 70 yards off when Moore looked at him, next thing Moore sees is that corner going 50 <laughs> yards to the house the other way. You can't throw the backside late. It's just it, – especially if you're a true freshman, it's never going to work. And after that, you're like, all right, Oregon State has this one in control the beaves are terrifying cuz that offense as well is absolutely clicking the running back combo of martinez and fenwick outstanding dju is playing great football he's not forcing anything he's not having to throw 50 times a game and not having to do be like be the guy they also have a great i just call him a utility player silas bolden another another great performance by him but he's like a like a tiny little five nine um, little guy. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. He, I think he had a like almost hundred yards and a touchdown. And then the tight end. I don't know if you saw us, Josh. It was like late in the third. DJU rolls right, rolls left, and then just chucks up a prayer ball to the tight end, who elevates over like four guys, grabs it with one hand. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this Oregon State offense is something. They are something. And that was like the difference between this year and last year. They were a quarterback away from being an 11-win team.
1: How many do you think they go this year? Because they got a chance again this year.
0: I I think that they can get to 10, maybe 11 wins. Like That loss to Washington State was tough, but look ahead at their schedule. They have Arizona, Colorado, Stanford. Those should be three easy wins. Arizona, actually. We'll get into them a little bit later. Who knows? But then they finished against Washington and Oregon. They lost to Washington, or they beat Washington last year, I believe, and then beat Oregon. So shit, it, it's it's doable. It's if this defense keeps there. getting
1: better each week as well, they're gonna they're gonna be right up there. Because I wouldn't want to play them right now as an offensive coordinator. I wouldn't. They're just mean in every uh, every level on the defense. The I think the secondary looks in your face, locked down, really really strong secondary. The pass rush, the front seven is strong. This is a tough team to play, in, and and I'm glad you said DJU's playing some good football because I agree. I think he's playing some some clever football he's been smart with the ball he's not been she said not been forcing anything been throwing it away when he needs to throw it away not taking the sacks it's been uh it's been fun to watch the state team and yeah i think they if they go from strength to strength, i think they're as high as 12 now in the polls and right on their way to being a top 10 team
0: yeah highest ever since i think 2012 when they had sean Mannion. 2013. hey pay attention to the beavers respect the beaver <laughs> thing I want to get into is number 16 Utah with just an out of nowhere offensive explosion they score a season high 34 as they beat Cal 34 to 14 no cam rising still but you know no problem like they led the or they leaned on the run game to get this done Bryson Barnes didn't turn it over they stuck with Bryson Barnes the entire game also when I was looking at the box score for this and I saw that you know, they had a running back go for 150 yards. I didn't realize it was the safety <laughs> that did it. The, they converted the safety to a running back, and he goes for 150 and two touchdowns, and has, like, four tackles, a pass deflected. Like, hell yeah. give me the This is the true, true way player. Travis Hunter, get the hell out of here. No, give me safety Sion Vahki. He went for 158, yeah. and two
1: scores on 15 touches. It's, it's, it's insane. And they That's had their awesome. other back go for 94. They had Bryson Barnes, a quarterback, go for fifty. They they ran all over them. They ran for three hundred and seventeen yards to Cow's sixty-six. This was just a a true Utah showing. They Beat them up on O line, beat them up on D line, ran all over them. The quarterback had a decent there as well. Was smart with the ball. They weren't weren't that explosive through the air, but you know, it was fifteen to twenty-one for one hundred and twenty-eight. No picks, no scores, but didn't need to didn't need to do too much through the air when they could run. They had that that amount of dominance in the run game.
0: Jonah Ellis with another just great performance. I think he got two sacks. He might. Well, let me let me fact check this real quick. I think he leads the country in sacks right Damn. now. Oh, he's second. He's behind uh, Muhammad Karma from Colorado State. So he leads the Power Five in sacks with eight. Damn. Damn. That's good going. Yeah, uh, Josh. I think kind of still the biggest story with Utah is No Cam Rising. Is he going to play this year? Because now is when Utah gets near the meat of their schedule. And if he doesn't play this week against USC, recording on a Monday. If he doesn't play against USC, I don't think we see him for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're looking
1: out for injury, I don't see him playing against Oregon either. If he doesn't play USC, then they play Oregon the week after. Then is there any reason for him to come back and play, you know, ASU, Washington, Arizona, Colorado probably not probably not at this stage with with how injuries are and yeah we'll see, it's a, re- it's a real shame because I was I was very excited to watch him and you know this Utah offense as much as they had an explosion this week as you said it was out of nowhere, they have been a little bit of a tough watch for a couple of weeks in a row now and, um, and it was good to see but I don't know how sustainable it is, they should be fine against USC as we've seen there's a lot of cracks dare i say ravines in that in that defence but oregon not so much so we'll see but it's a shame
0: taking a look here apparently it wasn't just the acl that he tore in the rose bowl it was his meniscus mcl like just the whole knee so maybe that's why we're not seeing him yet cuz you know an acl injury in modern football is still like only 7 8 months we've seen guys come back sooner but when you're tore your entire knee up okay now i understand why it's been 10 months he hasn't played yet in theory he could get a medical red shirt because if he plays under four games you can still preserve that medical red shirt and come back next year i don't know if he would but in theory he could do it also have we seen brant keithy either he's not made his return yet no and that one that's been much longer he got injured i believe second or third week for utah last year he's someone i could see playing again next
1: year quarterbacks a little bit of a different situation but if it's there for him there's a there's a good chance
0: it'll be very uh intriguing to see us again especially since utah is in the middle their schedule as a oregon fan alum i am 1000 percent be like oh yeah they'll come back for the oregon game and then torch them and <laughs> then just disappear <laughs> that would be like the most utah thing ever um but also yeah utah respect the Utes they are still showing that they can win the Pac-12 they are very much in this race uh I would put them as probably the third best team maybe the fourth best team in the Pac-12 it's it's gonna be awesome and Josh I texted you yesterday it's very very possible that we see Oregon Washington Utah USC all finish 10-2 and two with losses to each other or I guess USC has lost Notre Dame but yeah losses there would be that'd be awesome to see honestly yeah
1: that'd be great That'd be great. I think I agree with you as well that Utah are probably the third best team. I think Oregon State would give them a good good run for their money there, though. Uh.
0: Well, they do have the head-to-head victory. But, so, yeah, I guess you can give them the, that number three crown. And I would take Utah – I'd take uh, Oregon State over USC very easily. I think that defense would crunch Caleb Williams. I think that offense could run all over USC's defense. Unfortunately, they don't play this year, but they could absolutely do it. One team, though – in the Pac-12 that cannot do it and has looked like crap the last, <laughs> I don't know, four or five weeks. Stanford comes storming back from 29 nothing at halftime to beat Colorado 46-43 in double overtime. And all I can say is, Shador, where's your <laughs> Rolex? What, what time is it, Shador? What time is it? Is it time for you to not throw the ball away? Time for you to not take a sack? Or is it time for you to Throw a bad ball and an interception in the end zone because, man, gotta, get, gotta learn how to get rid of the ball. You are not gonna make it out of college if you don't learn how to get rid of the ball.
1: Yeah, this game was absolutely ridiculous. This game, I, I looked at this game and it was 29 nothing, and I turned it off and I was like, oh, okay, I'll be, I'll be excited to kind of catch up on this one later on, but it was like Colorado blowing them out. And then Stanford started to, to creep back into this, and they, well, as they creep back into this, they came back into this far. They put 19 on the board in the third quarter and Turned it into a 10-point game and and the defense stepped up in the third quarter and stopped Colorado doing anything. But man, the biggest one in this game. Shout out Elik Ayamana, who went absurd in this game. He went absolutely crazy. Going for 13 receptions, 294 yards, three scores. It was a ridiculous game. And he absolutely mossed Travis Hunter for a... One of the plays of the year, one of the plays that went straight on the uh, on the, on all the TF socials. It was a, it was an absolute showing from
0: from someone who I'm uh, I'm going to be keeping a firm eye on for the rest of the season because he's talented I tuned this or turned this on probably at two a.m. East Coast time at the bar, and I see Stanford is down three with a chance to tie it. I didn't watch this game at all until Saturday, like I I. Didn't really care for it. Then I'm just like, "Oh, this this is gonna be fun." And I watched the all of it on my phone at, at a bar. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. What Alec? I am I'm an. I'm a nor. I am a nor. A amana. A manner A manner Thank you. Uh, where he? It's in overtime. I think it was the first play of Stanford's in the first overtime. Quarterback throws it up. Ball's behind him. He reaches over Travis Hunter, and then pins the ball against his helmet. But he's on, like, the 6-yard line and just dr- runs it in. He just drags Travis Hunter in. He absolutely suns him. And it that wasn't the only time that he made Travis look small. They targeted him. Like, they targeted Travis Hunter. They are like, all right, we're going to pick on you. And I know why. It's because he's coming back from injury. He played something like 90 snaps this game. He was gassed. Th- this, to me, is poor... Coaching and poor roster management. Where, okay, yes, this is your best player, and yes, he is a difference maker when he's on the field. He was lighting it up on offense. However, you can't have him play fifty snaps on offense and then turn him around and go try to cover on defense. He's he's just not gonna be able to do it. And he was getting beat on the line. He's getting beat off the line. He looked a step slow. Like this to me is on Dion. Like you gotta you gotta pick and choose. You gotta give him seventy percent. 70 percent maybe on offense and 30 on defense or 70 percent on defense 30 percent on offense he cannot be playing every snap it's not sustainable for him especially since he just came back from an injury yeah you're 100 percent
1: right it's it's tough especially when he's the guy on offense as well you know it's not like he's just out there and can, and can kind of take a breather or whatever he's taking you know 13 catches 140 yards a lot of his deep routes you get they get him to run a lot down the sideline they get him to run a lot of a lot of deep stuff and it's that gases you to then switch over, play defense, try run any sort of man-to-man stuff down the field when they're then sending deep stuff against you as well. Because Stanford were trying to trying to th- send him down the sideline. They knew exactly what they were doing, trying to tire him out. It's it's absurd because he's running fade after fade after fade on offense, and then he's essentially running the same thing on defense. And it's it's yes, he's good enough to do it. Yes, he can do it. But you are going to see a fall off in production. And as you said, especially when he's coming off from from uh, from an injury. You just do get gassed. Even the best athlete athletes in the world get gassed, and it's yeah. They need to they need to start limiting his use. And I wonder if he'll uh, if he'll want to limit his use just to avoid injury, especially you know wanting to avoid kind of. He's shown that he's a baller. He doesn't need to be on the field every single snap. Now
0: he might want to preserve himself for for longevity. I mean, maybe Colorado needs him on the field full time. I think that he's. If I'm Colorado. I am probably playing him seventy five percent on defense. I think that's your biggest issue as a team. The, he's a great luxury to have on offense, but you don't need him. You have Xavier Weaver. You have Horn Jr. Like you have all these guys that can be production, be productive in your passing game, and you don't need Travis to lean on, lean on in the passing game. You need him in defense game. Like, I, I I don't get that, but um yeah, just shout out Stanford. Like no quit in them. Stanford is. By far the worst team in the Pac-12. Yeah, Arizona State might give them a run for their money, but one of the worst. And to come back from twenty-nine nothing on the road, like, man, shout out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Especially since they got blown out by Oregon like two weeks prior. They, I think they went on by. They were they were ready. They rose to the occasion. Yeah, they've been blown out a couple times this year, so it's nice to see them get a uh,
1: get a big win, uh, especially as a uh, as a big underdog. Do you remember what the line was for this game?
0: The line for this game was. Colorado was a 13 and a half point favorite <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing that's tough and if you're Deion Sanders and you're Colorado those bowl game aspirations that you had after week three where you're three and 0, that's not looking good because you have a bye this week the rest of your schedule you're at UCLA you're against Oregon State you're against Arizona you're at Washington State and you're at Utah Colorado might not win another game. They could very easily finish four and eight.
1: Yeah, no, I th- I think
0: they I think they do. And shit. <laughs> I, I think that they pull one. I think like they put it together against Arizona, or they put it together against Washington State. But I yeah, I, I think they have maybe one more win on this schedule and they kind of look at themselves like, shit, we we got high on our own supply and hell they they could they should have lost to arizona state too <laughs> they should they should have lost to colorado state and tcu
1: <laughs> there should be a winless team it's all just been so much hype for uh...
0: <laughs> no they, they would, they would yeah, be they nebraska been, yeah, they yeah, would yeah. Be in nebraska. No, that's fair and I, I when people were saying after those first three weeks like oh this colorado team is like they're so much better they have all these athletes dion such a great coach like no, this is still very much kind of the same Colorado team. You do have better athletes now. And I, like Shador and Hunter and Weaver and all these guys, they are the difference between a one-win team and like a four-win team. Yes, they do add that value to you. But you don't have the recruiting. You don't have the depth. You don't have, honestly, the line play at all to be in the six, seven wins. No, not at all. Not at all. And I said last week
1: when they were ranked, I, were, or week before when they were ranked, I was uh, was surprised that they were twenty five. I thought they were top thirty, and probably were thirty. And now I think they're pretty comfortably outside that top thirty range. They've been sort of regressing week on week, and, and the offensive line hasn't worked it out. They're still unable to run the ball against anyone they play. And yeah, I see see some trouble on the uh, on the horizon for this Colorado team.
0: Another upset in the Pac twelve. Arizona has a great bounce. Back game against number 19 wazoo in the Blues. josh i said wazoo was gonna get done easily nope i was wrong arizona 44 washington state six washington state score on their first drive it was 11 plays 75 yards then for the next 50 minutes 55 minutes they did not have a drive go over seven yards or seven plays and they only got three first downs the rest of the game hell yeah jed fish Hell yeah. Just
1: got turned into fish food, Washington State. This was absolutely one of my favourite games of the week. I'm I'm falling in love with this Arizona team very quickly. I really enjoyed them against USC. They should have won that game. And then they come out the next week and blow out a ranked opponent. It's just, it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, they were 10 points in the first quarter, 10 points in the second quarter, 10 in the third, 14 in the fourth. They were just steady for the whole game. They didn't let this Washington State team breathe for a minute. The defence was 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 awesome. They just... As much as Washington State played a lot of bad offense, and, and I w- I'm definitely going to go back to this one in the tape because this is this is an intriguing game. I couldn't see it properly from the box, from the box view. but this Arizona team managed to just stunt this offense from the fr- from the start. They they stunted them from the start. They gave them no room to breathe. They shut them down on third down. They shut them down on fourth down. You know, Wa- Washington State were four for eleven from uh, uh, on third down, zero for three on fourth down they just got outgained in every category by Arizona on offense. This was just a, a, a dominant performance by an offense that's looked really good for for two weeks now and a defense that's been sh- shown great signs of improvement after uh, conceding a lot to obviously conceding a lots to to USC but nevertheless they were they, they were much better this week than than the week before and yeah I mean I'm excited to see what what the future holds to this Arizona team. They could uh, they could sneak into a bowl game this year.
0: Josh, this might be the fourth best defense in the Pac-12. It wasn't just against Washington State or USC. They held Washington's defense or offense as well. This defense played really tough, and it's not just the defense. It's also Nova Fita. Like, I am very, very high on him now. I think he's better than Jane Delora. I think that he should be the starter going forward because, yeah, you're one and two as a starter, but against two top ten teams on the road and at home. You were thin a score. And that's damn impressive for a first-year starter. Guy only had three starts under his belt. And shit, Josh, if they don't choke against Mississippi State in, like, triple overtime, because if Jane Delora had, like, 15 interceptions that game, and, you know, if you go for it on four, um, for that two-point conversion against USC, this Arizona State team could have very, very easily be 6-1 right now. Very easily. And what people thought like Colorado was going to be like that darling story. Like, no, it's Arizona pay attention to Arizona football folks. I know it's tough. They play late. They're so, so fun. And they're just scrappy as all hell. Thank God. Oregon's not playing them this year because this is a team that would beat Oregon. This is a team that I think they have Oregon state next. They have UCLA coming up. They have Utah. I think that they beat two of these ranked teams. I think they need a kneecap oregon state they might kneecap ucla hell they might kneecap utah with how well its defense is
1: yeah i i can see it that utah arizona game is going to be fantastic I'm, one of my favorite games this upcoming week and we'll get to the previews later but this arizona oregon state game is going to be a lot of fun because this oregon state defense is is good but this this arizona team's really starting to knuckle down i think this is going to be a going to be a real fun game
0: that that, that game's in two weeks josh they're on a bye oh is it oh my bad my yeah, bad but that, that upcoming game their next game is going to yes. be uh gonna be gonna be a lot of fun yeah most of the Pac-12 was on a bye uh coming into this week just weird scheduling how they do it but yeah it's that's gonna be a great game and I'm yeah you know, I'm excited for Arizona a couple other upsets that happened this past weekend Josh this is the game that you were watching I could not see a second of it because I was watching Oregon Oklahoma State 39 Kansas 32 Jason B man like props to you you got down early i think it was like 14 nothing early got them back in the lead had a chance late this kansas team plays tough but shit good on you oklahoma state they're starting to figure it out have a day jason bean it's funny
1: because we said last week you know this this kansas team has has some clear identities when when daniels plays they're able to air it out and and they're able to, to to really you know Push teams and stretch teams vertically, and then when he doesn't play, they're able to turn it up in the run game because they've got superb one-two punch in Devin Neal and, and Daniel Hirsch Jr. It was kind of the roles reversed. Jason Bean played, and they uh, uh, and they aired it out, and they didn't run for as much. They they ran for under 100 yards, and and Jason Bean threw for over 400 with five scores and and uh, uh, two picks. But yeah, this is a this was a, a, a tough one for for Kansas to take. They, they they played very well on offense. They they put up a lot of yards, but. This Oklahoma, this Oklahoma uh, State team was, uh, was was very solid. They answered back every single time, and, and you know, the story of this game is a struggle on third down. This was a struggle. There was a lot, of, a lot of struggles on third down across, uh, especially for Oklahoma State. But they managed to move the ball really well. They managed to manage to run the ball for for 218 yards. They just steamrolled them, and yeah, this was a th- this is a tough one for Kansas fans. They're gonna they're gonna feel feel like the offense did enough to win here and the the defense just couldn't couldn't get it
0: done you were texting me during um while this game was going on and you're like oh daniels is playing doing like putting up great numbers on the passing game and you're like wait no it's it's bean jason bean is throwing the ball and when i went back to like watch this game look at the box tour, i was shocked to see that he had 400 yards passing and then like 20 yards rushing i would have thought it would have been like the complete opposite he had 400 yards rushing and 20 yards passing I'm still high on this Kansas team. Yeah, now you have two conference losses, and you're probably gonna be out of the Big 12. But they're still a damn good team. They're a damn fun team. And I'm actually kind of intrigued now. Like when Daniels comes back, like who do you stick with? Do you stick with the hot-handed Bean, or do you stick with like your tried and true starter?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be an interesting battle. I think they could, you know, potentially even go matchup based and. and... Know, who do you like versus uh, defenses? But I do think Jalen Daniels is is the guy. I think Bean just had a had a good game. But yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice problem to have if you're Kansas.
0: Yeah, and we gotta give praise to Oklahoma State. Like they looked dead in the water on offense. Like those first couple of weeks, they were playing three quarterbacks. Like Gundy really didn't have it figured out. Looks like they're sick with Alan Bowman. To, well, feel like he's an eighth-year senior as well. He was at Texas Tech. He was at Michigan. He was all around. And he had a great game, you know, 28 for 41, two touchdowns. So Oklahoma State offense is starting to look like the Oklahoma State offenses that we are used to, spreading the ball around, scoring points, getting first downs. I'm, 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 out, I'm impressed because I didn't think that this team was capable of getting as far as they are. I think that – or I thought they were going to be the bottom basement dwellers of the Big 12. But nope, they turn it around. They beat a good Kansas State team. They beat a good Kansas team. Gundy, I'm, I'm Shout impressed. Shout out Ollie Gordon
1: as well. 29
0: carries, 168 yards and a score. Six catches, 116 yards and a score. That's it. That's the performance right there. They also, uh, Rashad Owens, the other receiver, had a good, nice day on the receiving. Hell, I need to start watching more Oklahoma State. I've just tuned them out. I need to start paying attention. They're now third in the Big 12. Damn. Damn, I didn't realize they were third. Another shocking upset from this past weekend. Unranked Pitt, thirty-eight, number fourteen, Louisville, coming off a high of one of the biggest games of their pro or program, beating Notre Dame at home, getting up to fourteen in the rankings. They only scored twenty-one. How the hell did this Pitt team beat this Louisville team? Well, I'll tell you how. For whatever reason, Louisville just could not convert a third down, and they couldn't get the passing game going and for whatever god knows reason whatever like pat narduzzi bullshit he summoned pitt's offense was was moving the ball and i think that has to be because they benched the worst quarterback in all of college football (laughs) they bench uh um phil dracovic the sort of playing on his name right now he's a french canadian It's actually kind of fun uh he took over and just got this offense going and you could rewatch this game and be like, how the hell did Pitt win this? Because they shouldn't have won this. Like, Louisville was the better team. They just couldn't score at all and just couldn't execute. It's like, it's so, it's the most Pitt shit ever. Like, a underperforming team rising to the occasion to be a significantly better team.
1: Yeah, this game makes no sense. This game just was. I mean, even, even watching it back, it still made no sense. You said you can watch this game back and have no idea how they won this game. I, I still have no idea how they won this game. You know, if you just go stat by stat, Louisville had 444 yards, total yards. Pitt had 288. You know, 350 pass into 200. 94 rush into 88. 5.2 yards were played to 4.9. It's just. I, I It's such a fall from grace for Louisville. It's such a massive fall from grace after taking down Notre Dame a week ago to then. This is moving the ball but not being able to convert at all it's just mu- must be yeah it's going to be a, ho- a horrible week in the film room for all the coaches and all the players it's uh yeah this was a a real strange game but i'd expect a big uh, a big bounce back from louisville
0: man i would hope so because this could be the kind of loss that really derails a season <laughs> i'm just laughing because they looked like a legit you know top 15 team and a, a team that contend in the acc against Notre dame and just to turn around and lay a fat egg against Pitt. Uh, it's too good. It's too good. And then another upset from this past weekend. I don't think it was an upset. Josh, you picked them. Missouri 38, Kentucky 21. Same score as that Pitt-Louisville game, by the way. Um, Brady Cook, man. He's the truth. Brady Cook is the truth. And this is a very gutsy game by Kentucky. Maybe one of the weirdest fake punts you'll ever see. Where... You have the punter, I think they're from like their own 30-40, take the snap, and then throw a deep bomb to the gunner, who's just the receiver, and he drops a dime, an absolute dime, like, holy hell, Missouri, let's go, baby, let's go. Yeah, Brady Cook, he played well, and he did enough for this Missouri team to win. The receiving group of Theo Weiss and Luther Burden, Marquis John played well as as you could ask for and then defense for Missouri they, they really step it up which is good to see because they kind of dropped the ball against LSU in that second half last week hell yeah Kentucky came out fast as well I thought Kentucky they they came out I think they scored in their first two
1: drives they came out 14 nothing, and you know I thought they were going to handle business they were moving the ball really well and then as you said this, this Missouri defense really started to really started to step up and just stunted anything Kentucky started to try uh, you, you mentioned Brady Cook as well this is no, not the first time we've seen him play a decent game of football now, and yeah, he's been he's been fun to watch, and he's he's definitely doing enough to make this Missouri team you know, get get a few more wins this year and, and, and definitely get themselves in a in bowl game contention. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do in the next couple of games because they play South Carolina, then they play Georgia, then they play Tennessee, and that, I think that Missouri-Tennessee game is going to be a real a real good clash of uh, of two teams that right now for me are at a similar similar level. That could be a fun one.
0: I think Missouri has a chance against Georgia. Josh, I think we're not that far from a Missouri winning the SEC East. I I think it's very possible. <laughs> They're that good. I think so. I am a I'm a cook believer. I'm a believer in this Drinkwitz offense, and especially with how Georgia's looked at parts of this year, and we can get into a little bit later of what that offense is gonna look like going forward. Uh, give me Missouri, man. They, they played them tough last year. The only problem is this game's gonna be in Athens. And Kirby's gonna do what Kirby's gonna do. He's like, you're gonna doubt me? All right. And he's just gonna <laughs> bludgeon them to death for 60 straight minutes, where the defense will score like 28 points and the offense will only score seven, and they'll win like 35 nothing. It's that's probably what's gonna happen. But I just want to believe in Mizzou. I just want to believe in Mizzou right They're now. They're a Josh. fun team
1: to believe in. They're a lot of fun to watch, and, and
0: I, I I could see myself getting on that train. I still think
1: Georgia might have a bit too much
0: for them, but I could uh, I could definitely start to start to get on board. Josh, I'm gonna go through just a couple of games that also happened on saturday we had a lot of blowouts especially in that early window like there was really not any good games at least for the first three quarters we'll get into the one later number one georgia um who just mentioned they lose brock bowers for the rest of the season it just came out today that that high angle sprain he's going to shut down for the rest of the season brock will see you in april at the draft however georgia still wins 37 to 20 over vandy I'm very curious as to what this Georgia offense is going to look like right now because Brock Bowers was pretty much their entire offense. Yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real shame, and and some of the reports I've seen are that he's going to
1: miss four to six weeks of game time. But you know, uh, for me, there's no reason that he comes back. It is a shame, but yeah, we're going to definitely see him on uh, on Sunday. So don't don't worry too much. Yeah, this is a you know a classic classic Georgia game for me. Defense does enough to 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 you know, keep the other teams a sub. 20 points up 21 points and so when you're under kind of three scores just under three scores like that it's uh it's gonna be tough to beat this georgia team they're just gonna pound you and pound you
0: indiana is able to go up seven nothing early on michigan and michigan wins 52 to (laughs) seven they awoke in the beast and michigan just ran all over them they passed all over them um again this is the same michigan team that we've been talking about They haven't been tested they just look complete on offense and defense and special teams but we don't know anything about them because they haven't been tested. Purdue's kicker, he was able to hit a 40-yard field goal. (laughs) And Purdue's actual kicker could not hit a 38-yard field goal. And Purdue lost 41-7 to Ohio State. I was a dumb bitch earlier on Saturday. I said, hey, Emeka is going to be out. They're losing both their running backs. Watch out for – Purdue, put them on the upset watch. Nope. Mm -mm. Ryan Day took that personal to me. He, I was yelling at, I think, (laughs) post-game, I want to hear what Tyler Castan (laughs) has to say about my program. Yeah, they won 41-7. Ohio State has a huge one coming up this week. Uh, Marvin Harrison, uh, shit, him and Roman Dunze, 1A, 1B to me.
1: Yeah, both those guys are absolutely electric, and, and yeah, I can see the argument for 1A, 1B. This Purdue student hitting three field goals in a timeout, and then the, uh, the purgey kicker missing from the same distance is just my favorite story from, from this weekend. <laughs> it's just so good.
0: I feel bad for Purdue. I feel so bad. Keon Cole him, Josh. Keon Cole him. Mm-hmm. And number four, Florida State. They blow past Syracuse 41-3. Uh, the quote that Dino Babers, a Syracuse coach, gave about Keon Coleman. Did you see it? I don't know if I saw the quote, no. He said... God spent more time on him than anybody else, and I'm like, y- yep, you are absolutely right. Johnny Wilson wasn't able to play this game, so it was the Coleman show, and he had one of the sickest grabs of the entire season—just full extension, snags one hand, rips off for a big game. Like, dude, he's so awesome. He's so. Awesome. It was his first catch of so the game as well. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. He had a couple of great
1: ones in this game—nine for one, four to score yeah he's you know speaking of receivers he's another one to keep uh keep a firm eye on because he's he's superb hoping Jordan Travis's uh injuries are out as well he played the whole second half after going in early uh to to went early into the locker room at the end of the half seems to be okay hope there's not anything here um but yeah he's he's electric as well this is a, a real fun offense real fun team to watch
0: they're just as effective in the passing as in the run game trey benson wasn't the primary uh running back this week it was lawrence to who had almost 100 yards and a touchdown um or only seven yeah, carries though crazy yeah it average it's average it, 13 it's scary and i've said it every week now like i'm sorry syracuse you just ran into the three toughest teams and you're gonna run into maybe one more tough game um Jesus, back to back 40 burgers on them. And then Clemson scored 31. Tough for you, Syracuse, but it gets a little bit easier. Number 11, Alabama. They're able to hold off Arkansas late, 24 21. And I thought Nick Saban was going to have an aneurysm during this game. He looked so pissed on the sideline, just being able to look so sloppy in the second half. Arkansas had a chance to come back and win this one. They just weren't able to get it done. And Bama's going to turn around and use this game as fuel to be like, all right, we have to be perfect next what week.
1: When was the last time you saw a Bama quarterback only complete 10 passes?
0: Uh, it might have been... Um, I I don't know, because I probably wasn't watching Alabama <laughs> at eight years yeah, old. <laughs> yeah, th-
1: this offense has been so sloppy, and the offensive line play hasn't seemed to get better at all. So, yeah, they're somehow 6-1. and one. They're just hyper-athletes, so you can beat up on, on schools with lesser, lesser athletes. But, yeah, they're, they're going to get second they play against any team that's that's got something about them i think they are gonna are gonna struggle a bit get eleven to generous strength for alabama
0: we'll find out this coming week as they on tennessee but we'll get in that one just a little bit Milro did have one great throw he's the first touchdown pass of the game where he stood tall in the pocket was able to deliver a deep bomb i think it was to um kobe presence the other receiver not jermaine burton uh yeah it was a great throw but that's really the only good throw he had I, I don't get Alabama, Josh. Like, when you doubt them, they prove you wrong. And when you're like, okay, they're going to get it figured out, they just continue to lay an egg on offense. I don't get them. Yeah, they've been they've been a hard team to watch this year,
1: and, and a, a massive part of it is the offensive line play. The defense is still the defense. You know, the defense is going to keep them in games. They're, they are a talented defense. But the offense is just, you, you know, borderline unwatchable this year.
0: It really is. The team that Alabama takes on this coming week, number 20 Tennessee they're able to defeat Texas A&M 20 to 13 there were only two offensive touchdowns in this game and both of them came in the first half um, I did not think you would ever call Tennessee A&M a defensive slug fest but it kind of was um, Jimbo buyout time coming soon to a theater near you I didn't see too much of this game and I'm happy I didn't because it sounded like a bit of a snooze fest you were texting me about Jimbo coaching scared again Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, this was going on the same time as the Oregon game. I'm texting my buddy Cole. Shout out Cole, friend of the program, friend of the channel. He said that there was absolutely no reason to watch this game. But when I did rewatch it, like AM's offense is anemic, and even Tennessee's offense against this defense was anemic. Joe Milton sucks. I I said it on the preview show. Like Joe Milton is not head and hooker. Yeah, he has a cannon of an arm. He went 11 of 22 for 100 yards. When did you think that this Tennessee team, with their supposed exquisite splits that break defenses, (laughs) fuck you, Josh Heupel, would only pass for 100 yards? The
1: leading receiver had 31 yards on four grabs, and he had a guy with 29 yards, 24
0: yards. (laughs) Game-breaking. Like, yeah, yeah. which which two of these teams that I hate most? And... They both proved me wrong. I, I, I still hate both. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting one when this Tennessee offense tries to take on Alabama's defense. And it's going to be really fun to see this Tennessee defense try to take on that Alabama offense. It's a immovable object and a stoppable force. Another game real quickly. Number 17, Duke. They're able to handle business against North Carolina State. Fairly easy, 24-3. Still no Riley Leonard for Duke, but it looks like he might be coming back next week. Uh, they're still holding that third spot in the ACC. They're looking good. The Mike Elko defense, man, chef's kiss. It's beautiful. Also, Jane Daniels leads number twenty-two LSU past Auburn in the Tiger Bowl, forty-eight to eighteen. It is Heisman conversation time for Jane Daniels. He is the heart and soul of this team. hundred percent. Yeah, this guy should definitely be in the in the Heisman conversation. This guy has been
1: fantastic for for a, a number of consecutive weeks now. Twenty of twenty-seven for three, twenty-five and three scores, uh, just another another great performance, and yeah, this
0: ninety-three on the yard, yeah, rushing. yeah, and
1: ninety-three rushing. This guy was was
0: electric again, and, and will continue to be for the rest of the season. They play Alabama later on the season. This might be the best offense that Alabama will see, um, and who knows, big game Brian Kelly, what he can do. This Auburn team, they they still haven't figured out the passing game, which is hilarious they Peyton Thorne barely got over 100 yards 102 yards like this Auburn team's sad like they're offensive to watch and it's kind of shocking that a Hugh Freeze led team cannot put up points maybe it's just the void of talent that Brian Harson left on his scorched earth out of Auburn they're, they're ass they're, they're just straight ass they're three and three they haven't won they've lost three straight they haven't won in conference they're, they're the worst team in the west right now and might be like one of the bottom two, bottom three of the SEC in total. Yeah, and
1: they've still got some tough games to play. They they still play Ole Miss. They still play Arkansas, who I think will beat them. They still play Alabama. Yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's a long year for Auburn fans.
0: Shout them Malik neighbors. Another touchdown. He, uh, it's it's so hard trying to pick five the five best receivers in college football this year, Josh, because there's. I think 15 right answers. Yeah. we. I was trying to do it this weekend and, and I couldn't do my top five. I ended up doing like my top 11, my
1: top 12 because there's, there's so many guys at that, that top tier. This is a, a, a ridiculous receiver class coming out. And the, the, the passing talent, the, the pass catching talent the last few years has gone from strength to strength. Every year it seems like the class is deeper, but It just is. A lot of these kids are going to seven-on-seven camps. They're playing a lot of – they're catching a lot of footballs. They're running a lot of routes before they even get to college. And, and, you know, we're seeing that change in landscape of football going to that full kind of heavy passing attack now. It's starting to produce a lot of talent that's coming through younger. The the, the younger talent is a lot more skilled. And, and yeah, it's just another stacked receiver class. And I think we're just going to keep
0: seeing them year after year. We're going to throw it back to Tuesday. In a game where we slightly preview – Coastal Carolina wins a wacky one in Boone, 27-24, to over App State. The ending to this game was absolutely insane. So, it's fourth down. Coastal Carolina is going to try to punch it in to take the lead late. Or hold, hold on to the lead late, put it away. App State comes with a huge stop. Then first play, throws a deep bomb. Guy catches it in stride, and it looks like he's going to go 90 yards, 95 yards of distance. The Coastal player tracks him from behind punches the ball out the guy recovers it on the sideline but just like by a tenth of an inch where he very could have easily ruled him out so from then on Coastal was able to salt the game away and Coastal wins another great classic matchup between these two teams Josh you called it
1: shout out them Chanticleers they were they were good fun man they were good fun this is a, this is a crazy game and App State and Coastal always
0: seem to play a good game I love the Sun Belt. So much good football comes out of the Sun Belt every year. It's the Fun Belt. It's the Fun Belt. And shout out Grayson McCall looking like his old self. 19 of 28 for two touchdowns on 370. I've heard some rumblings that App State might have to make a coaching change soon. I don't think so. Yes, you've lost some tough games. And yes, they've all been one-score games. Maybe that is indicative of not being able to assault a game away or, like, have that clutchness. But I don't know. Like, you... You have three losses by a combined six, three, 12 points. Three losses by 12 points. That's – I think you're okay. They – these two teams might meet again in the Sunbelt Championship. Who knows? Maybe it might be James Madison, though, because – well, I don't know if James Madison is eligible but because of the dumb um, conference rules. Yeah, they can't win it this year. But – okay, so, the, so it might be App State and Coastal again that we see. A, another wacky game from the weekday. This was one on Thursday. Houston – Defeats West Virginia on a Hail Mary 41-39 in the Dana Holerson Bowl. I had to rewatch this one on Friday. I was not paying attention to it. Holy crap, this game was awesome. Like, this is the true classic Big 12 games that we were so used to on a weekday night. They're just, they're so dumb. They're so fun. Both these teams had great chances at winning this game. And that was a great Hail Mary. That was an insane catch, an insane throw. Shout out Houston, giving West Virginia their first. It was conference. a tip tail, Mary, right? It was tipped, and then yeah, 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 superb yeah. play.
1: I mean, this West Virginia team should be five and one. They <laughs> they should really be five and one, and everyone thought they were going to be the worst team in the whole of college football. Yeah, this has been a this has been a fun story, and this was a great game.
0: And West Virginia had a chance to salt this one away late, and like. They, uh, did they score too early i don't know like they scored with, like 20 seconds left is that scoring too early not normally <laughs> not normally but that was no normal play to end it y- yeah i think that's the best way there's no n- normal way to end it and that was houston's first ever big 12 conference victory good for you dana good for you i think he's keeping his job alive somehow i, I don't think he'll ever <laughs> be fired honestly that man's just <laughs> gonna die in houston
1: if he plays so many more games like that it could be sooner rather than later as well that's a high stress one for a coach
0: <laughs> yeah check his blood pressure another fun one from saturday though rutgers scores 21 in the fourth quarter to edge past michigan state 27 24 purdue they're right on the cusp of bowl eligibility they got win one more game it's gotta be indiana and if they can do that the scarlet knights are bowl eligible and the ghosts of james Gandolfini. Can be happy.
1: They have got to play Iowa State, uh, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, still
0: as well. They could beat Iowa. They could beat <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> they could. Ohio beat State Iowa. ain't they could gonna happen. Iowa. They're not gonna beat Maryland. No, they can beat Maryland. Not gonna beat Penn State. They're not gonna beat Ohio State. Yeah. All right. So you got three chances to win one game. Come on, Scarlet Knights. I'm rooting for you. The one true team of New York City. Another wacky one. Colorado State, so we're going to combine that Thursday and Saturday game. You have a late comeback and a Hail Mary. That's exactly what Colorado State did. They scored 21 in the final four minutes, and they won on a Hail Mary. And this, I feel bad for Boise State because this DB did everything right in what you're taught to on a Hail Mary, and that's bat the ball down. It's just he batted it down, and a guy was makes a great diving effort to catch the ball. <laughs> it's incredible. And Colorado State, they win 31-30. Yeah, they dealt. They they absolutely slung the ball around Colorado State.
1: <laughs> By the end of this game, they finished with three, almost three sixty pass yards, three three touchdowns. This was a yeah, this was a a funny one. And, and I've watched the ending back. I only saw the highlights of this one, but I watched the ending back, and I still
0: don't really know how they won. <laughs> I I'm not sure either. But Dolan Holker, the tight end dude, he's get him on your draft boards now. He had that great game against Colorado. He had another good game against Boise State. Like. He's good. He's big 6'5", 240. I'm a fan of his game. And then one of the last games, finishing out in the Mountain West, Air Force. They now lead the Mountain West as they beat Wyoming 34-27. This was a great game. Shout out our boy Andrew Peasley had another good performance, but it was just too little, too late. They couldn't get it done on the stretch, and Air Force just ran all over them. That triple option is still alive and well, Josh. They rushed for 356 as a team. And they're now in the lead in the Mountain West, and that second place is between Fresno State and Wyoming. And Fresno State does have that head to head victory, so who knows? But Air Force is also now ranked for the first time in a very long time. Salute to our sor- <laughs> Salute to our soldiers, Josh. Hey, this
1: Air Force team looks pretty good. They They do. Look, they genuinely look pretty good. They run the ball really, really well. And as you said, top of the Mountain West right now. This is a This is a fun time for Air Force. This is a fun time to be an Air Force fan.
0: And there's a like a great chance that we could see air force if they win the mountain west they would be the highest ranked group of five team and they'd be playing in the new year's six bowl i think that'd be awesome if we got a service academy to play in a new year's six bowl i don't know how they'd stack up against the you know top 10 team but i'm here yeah. for it give them a chance go falcons and josh we're going to close out our recap the same way that we always do and that's with our friends at iowa and this game was going on at 3.30, same time as Oregon-Washington, arguably game of the year. And you look at these two games, and you're wondering, like, these teams are playing the same sport? Like, huh? Iowa? Oh, my God. They they beat Wisconsin 15-7, 15-8. Um, they only scored one offensive touchdown. I, I don't know, Josh. What? I don't um, know hating this Iowa team more and more every single week and every game that they win just
1: hurts me a bit more because I hate the way this offence plays I hate the way this defence plays I hate the way this <laughs> just every part of this team the punter had like I think the punter had 8 or 9 punts and he put something like 5 of them inside the 20 and had a post game interview like what are we doing here Iowa <laughs>
0: hey you punt to win the game we were texting yesterday josh you only need two phases to win a football game in college and i always decide hey we'll do defense and special teams as our phase like fucking offense we don't need that <laughs> just put them inside the 20 and play for field position i like think you said they'll punt on first down if it wasn't so uh it wasn't looked at so badly yet taboo yeah <laughs> god they, they will do that one day it's gonna be like they're gonna be playing i don't know some team michigan or ohio state or something it's gonna be pouring down rain and rather than like risk oh we don't want our quarterback to fumble we're just gonna punt it and pin them deep and play defense yeah it sounds like another game yeah this is a painful oh. one to
1: watch. this is a painful team to watch and they're somehow six and one and
0: they're gonna they're they're gonna win the, the big 10 they're gonna the big 10 conference championship game and they're gonna play either michigan ohio state or penn state and they're gonna be 11-1 and average 21 points a game i i can't how what yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: They go Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Fired I, then Nebraska. They could win all of them, and
0: <laughs> they will. They will win all of them. That's the and they can like, score ah. a combined
1: like sixty-five
0: points. <laughs> that's generous. That's, that's generous. I'm looking at the the stats right now. Their quarterback Deacon Hill. Okay, granted, he is the backup because JJ McCarthy is done for the season. He had thirty-seven yards. On six completions, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Just at this point, just run the option. Like you don't have to just run power and outside zone. Like no, just run the option, man. Yeah. Like come on. Don't even uh, don't even attempt to throw it. There's no point. You just throw the ball 14 times for 37 yards. I. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I don't have the math in front of me right now, but there's no way in hell that Brian Ferentz's 25 point average. It's gotta be like what 20. 21 now yeah it's or it might even like, be below 20 now but especially if they only count well I don't they don't only count offensive points today they? if they only counted offensive points it'd be comfortably well, no. below. yeah it's team points and what their kicker had three six nine and then the yeah. defense got a safety So, like, <laughs> or sorry Iowa offense only scored seven the rest of the team scored eight congratulations Iowa you're Special teams and defense scored eight points, and that was enough to win the game. That would have beaten that would have beaten Wisconsin. Yeah. Painful football. Incredible. It's so sick you can't look away, and that's why we're <laughs> sickos. But jumping into our Week 8 preview now, uh, safe to say this is another stacked one, Josh, and it all starts at noon. Number 7, Penn State. They're going to take on number 3, Ohio State, and we finally, finally get to learn something about this Penn State team yeah and from what we've seen so far i've played nobody's they look damn good
1: i think they are very very good i think they, they're gonna this defense is gonna cause some problems for this ohio state
0: offense and i kind of disagree with you josh i think this might be kind of like a not an offensive shootout but like a kind of low scoring like a 35 31 kind of thing where i i don't think penn state's defense is really going to be able to hold all that well especially against marvin harrison jr
1: yeah, no, I, I I can see it, and this is a stacked Ohio State team. You know, there's 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 a lot of a lot of talent in the, especially in the pass catches on this on this Ohio State team. But I just think this front seven is going to be able to get after them a little bit. I do think there's going to be, be some pressure coming coming Ohio State way. Just think they're going to get home. I can see I can see you don't agree, but I think this is going to be. A, I do think the uh, I think this Penn State de- defense might uh, might show up against Ohio State.
0: See, I think the Ohio State defense will show up against Penn State. Last year, that's exactly what happened. It was JT Toolomu had, like, what, two interceptions, uh, forced fumble, like, six sacks. Like, just the craziest stat line for an edge player you'll ever see. And he just dog-walked Penn State's entire offense. This game is in Columbus. Ohio State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going with the Buckeyes on this one. I think that there's too much. And Drew Aller is going to be – like, this is his first road test. And this is kind of the first time that he's really going to be tested against – Equal talent. I I don't believe that he's gonna get it done. Give me Penn State then. Okay, I like that, Josh. I like that. Let's let's, let's do some more disagreeing because we're too <laughs> we're too on the nose at times. We we think too much alike. All right, you'll go Penn State. I'll go Ohio State. Um, yeah, let's let's do it. Any any other reasons for Penn State besides defense? It's tough for me because I don't I don't want to. F- Put I don't want to dive in too much on
1: them because, as you said, we haven't seen them play anyone yet, so it's 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 tough. But I do think they I do think they have enough to 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 cause some problems here. I think the defense is going to show up. I do think this is going to be a be a defensive battle. It's going to be a, it's going, as you said. there's going to be some points. There's going to be some points as playmakers on either side of
0: the ball. But yeah, I just got a feeling that Penn State are gonna gonna get it done. And this is like the you know, winner of this game is firmly in the driver's seat for the big 10 west and probably the playoff it's gonna be a great one and i'm very excited if it's anything like red river two weeks ago and then Oregon washington this past week we're in for a treat and so far these marquee games that we've been previewing have all lived up to the hype i hope this one does too 330 eastern number 17 tennessee travels to alabama the third week in october the rivalry name alabama is an eight and a half point favorite looking to avenge last year's i think last year was the game of the year um this is going to be an awesome, awesome one. We mentioned earlier, Alabama's offense, a just a movable force. They just, a, they, they can't move. Um, And then Tennessee's defense is you know, pr- pretty good, most things considered, versus a great Alabama defense and a piss poor Tennessee offense. I know Nick Saban is going to want to beat the shit out of Pruitt, or not Pruitt, excuse me, out of Josh Heupel.
1: Yeah, and I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. I feel like these quarterbacks are basically the same person. They just chuck it deep and pray. And <laughs> yeah, it it it's gonna be a a defensive battle, should we say? I think it's gonna be a defensive battle because it's gonna be a lot of bad offense played. I've it's been funny. when I've I've been slightly leaning towards Tennessee this week when looking at this matchup. I. I, I it's just tough because I, but before Saturday, I would have had Tennessee in this matchup. And then after this offensive performance on Saturday from Tennessee, it's, it's made them harder to pick, especially with how good I think this Bama defense is. So, yeah, I think I'm going to uh, have to rest on the Bama side of this one.
0: Well, what about Alabama's offense
1: installed any confidence in you? It didn't. It's the, it's the Bama defense that's installed confidence in me of, against this Tennessee uh, offense. None of these offenses have, I have any confidence in. I have absolutely no no faith in either of these offenses, but I trust the Bama defense more than I trust the Tennessee defense.
0: Okay. I do think nine and a half feels kind of big, just because like, I don't think Alabama's offense is capable of like getting that far ahead. Like, I don't think they're going to beat Tennessee by two scores. I think this— comes down to execution and a couple of key third downs and turnovers probably i do like alabama this one to the tune of probably like a 24 21 or maybe a 24 20 yeah and i would definitely be taking uh bama money line but tennessee with the with the spread okay i like it another marquee matchup this is gonna be one of the best games of the acc we see this year at 7 30 number 16 duke at number three florida state florida state a 14 point favorite in this one if riley leonard can play in this game i think that there's a path for duke however if he's not then i think florida state's offense is just gonna be too much i think mac elko is gonna have a great game plan for them he shut down notre dame's offense he shut down clemson's offense i think that he's gonna be able to hold florida state long enough for the offense to do something but if they don't have their biggest playmaker in there to do some of those opportunities, it's going to be too much for the Blue Devils.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's it. This is going to be a tough one for Duke to win for me. I think, I think FSU are going to have just too much for them on offense. This offense has so much firepower, especially in the wide receiver room. I just just think they're going to overwhelm them. I do think Duke have a chance to keep this close. I think 14 points is quite a, quite a big line here. I think this is closer to a one-score game than it is a two-score game like that. But yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's 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 going to be a hard
0: any team in college football is going to be hard pressed to shut down this fsu team although if there's one like there's maybe like three defenses i can trust to do that alabama utah and maybe this duke defense like mike elko he's a great coach he's a great defensive schemer he i i think that he's able to hold florida state long enough but i'm, I'm just questioning if friday line is able to play and even if Leonard plays like that ankle's still banged up. I don't know if he's gonna be as mobile and I don't know if Duke has the firepower on offense. I do like Florida State, but I think it's gonna be a lot closer than that fourteen point like you say, Josh. We're gonna agree again. Um give me the tune of uh 17 yeah. yeah, I'm seeing
1: it way closer to a one score game and and you know, on, on any given any given Saturday they could they could bring it even closer. But yeah, FSU were... Uh, for sure, am i picking that
0: one well let's not discount jordan travis has had some injuries like he got hurt against boston college had missed some time hurt again last week but he came back if he's not be able to be healthy in this game then that would be a difference maker as well yeah
1: no 100 100 and uh there may be an emergency pod release mini episode release if that happens <laughs> if we find out he's not
0: playing or he's hurt oh yeah oh yeah yeah, we, we would have to do something about that and then the last ranked ma- ranked on ranked matchup we have for this weekend at eight o'clock eastern number 14 utah at number 18 usc for some god knows reason usc is a six and a half point favorite here josh what 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 did we see from usc last weekend that this offense is going to do anything more against notre dame than they did against utah like wh- I, I'm confused on this line.
1: Yeah, I don't understand the line, and the only the only explanation I have is is the Caleb Williams effect. I don't think there's any other reason that uh, that USC are minus six and a half here, because I I'll be hammering Utah uh, plus six and a half all day. I uh I especially with the offensive explosion last week, and I know in the in the in the breakdown we just I just said that uh, I can't rely on them to consistently do it, and and I don't know if it's a sustainable form of football, but against USC. I think that defense is going to be uh, <laughs> going to be going to be rough again, uh, and and you know small improvement this week than than the previous weeks, but yeah, I think Utah
0: are going to be able to to run all over them. I'm worried for Caleb Williams' health in this one. Like, he took like what six sacks against Notre Dame. He's probably going to get hit 15 times this game, because if you remember those two games last year, the one in Utah where Utah had to win on a two-point conversion with to salt the game like with 30 seconds left where hey Arizona take a page out Kyle Winham's book and then again in the Pac-12 championship game like the defense was smacking Kyle Williams around all game and he was able to make plays but he was getting beat up every single time I it's gonna be a just a repeat I think Utah is gonna win this one easily I think they can win by 14 yeah yeah I can definitely see a Utah win here and I think Utah money line could be a good play this week I think that's a, that's a great play. Do I don't know. I I don't I don't think we see Cam rising. No, like, I don't either. I think they're just gonna have to run. They just gonna have to lean on the run game. Yeah, and I
1: think they can against USC. I think they'll they know that as well. And if if they run half as well as they
0: did uh, this last week, they'll uh, they'll be taking it to this USC team. Although it would be awesome if like he's not even warming up, then comes out of the tunnel as the team runs out, straps it up, and takes the opening snap like hell yeah, Cam
1: place will go crazy
0: it, it is in us it is in the coliseum so maybe that's why people are like oh usc's fair now like yeah I, nothing about this usc defense and even the offense from last week like ask me two or three weeks ago, i'm like okay yeah usc's offense would have a chance in this game Mm-mm. seeing them against a real defense it ain't happening some other big games that we have coming up on this weekend josh at noon number 22 air force they're taking on navy this is the first leg of the commander-in-chief trophy if you're not familiar josh all three service academies play each other and the winner of you know the three of the, the three get the commander-in-chief trophy it's a fun little fun little rivalry uh they're an 11.5 point favorite yeah give me air force all over this one their navy's not what they used to be give me the falcons
1: I, I know you said we want some more disagreements but you can't make me pick navy here um i think i have to take air force guys The only game of Navy that I've seen in any depth was the their first game of the season against Notre Dame, and they weren't very good then, and and by all accounts they haven't been that good uh, for the rest of the season. So yeah, give me Air Force. I think they I think they are a good side. Air Force, and I think they might be sneaky better than twenty two.
0: Also at noon, in the Dylan Gabriel Bowl, UCF at number six Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a nineteen and a half point favorite. I think the Sooner wagon is going to keep on dragging, and UCF's in for a hell of a long time. I think. Oklahoma could cover this one easily. I think they win by at least four scores.
1: I don't know if it will be as many as four, but I think, I think they definitely... Uh, I do think they cover. I do think they cover 19.5 uh, quite comfortably against this UCF team.
0: Another game that's... I'm actually shocked at this line. It's Washington State going on the road to number nine, Oregon. Oregon's a 20-point favorite in this one. I understand that Washington State just got embarrassed by Arizona, but 20 points, like this still a good washington state team that's very high
1: i don't know man i just don't know if this is a good washington state team
0: i think they are though it's just they had a (laughs) they shit themselves against arizona but this is still a team that handled air handled oregon state fairly well and i think oregon state is a couple steps behind oregon not on the same level Yes, oregon had a great defense, and Arizona had a good defense. I can see how they shut down Cam Ward. But last year, this game came down to the final last play where Oregon had to get a pick six and salt the game away. I think Oregon can win this one, but Washington State's absolutely covering 20 points. Yeah.
1: No, I think they can cover 20, but I don't think it's... I think it's going to be like 14. I think they're going to be like a 14-16 point. I can see Oregon winning this by 14-16. I'm just not 100% sold that this... This Washington State team can beat a good defense, and I think this Oregon defense is going to be good. You know they struggled against UCLA, who played a great game on defense. You know they they did play well against Oregon State, who who I think are better now than they were kind of three weeks ago when they when they matched up. But yeah, I just think this I think this Oregon defense is going to be too much. I just don't think they're going to be able to get get what they want on offense. And yeah, this is going to be a little bit more of a blowout than maybe you you, you won't let yourself believe that you're going to win because so you're going to blow them out
0: because you don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> I'm just so you like the thing is about and I'm sad that we're gonna be losing this game next year is Washington State Oregon the last like 10 years have been very competitive like it's been one score of games probably nine out of the last 10 it's always a competitive game even on the road like I don't know man some and if Oregon beat Washington Washington State would 1000% win this game because <laughs> Oregon is be like oh let down spot here we go no I do think Dan Lane will be fired up and like not conscious but like wanting to prove a point and probably be very aggressive against Washington State and try to beat up on a lesser team again just 20s feels way too high I can go on about the Washington State Oregon uh, trauma (laughs) I've endured (laughs) but we'll move on South Carolina at number 20 Missouri I think the Brady Cook kitchen is going to stay open Missouri is a seven and a half point favorite should be a good quarterback matchup but give me Missouri all over this one. Yeah,
1: I've got Missouri in this one as well. I think they're going to be too much South Carolina. I, I As you said, I think Cook's going to have another decent game. And, and This is another offense that I can't fully trust. It's an offense that I kind of want to be good, the South Carolina offense, but it's just one that I haven't been able to trust this year. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see which version of them we get on uh, on Saturday. But I think even if the good South Carolina shows up, Missouri will have too much for them.
0: Also at 330, we have <laughs> – it's going to be the worst – offensive game of the year minnesota at number 24 iowa josh i'm not gonna give you the spread i'm giving you the over under on this one over under is 32 and a half is this the lowest of the year if it's not this it might have been the any other iowa game like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah every other Iowa week oh, uh, i probably still take the under as well that's the worst I am part too. Of all of this
0: <laughs> like we, we said we we're gonna disagree, but like what what part of you is like, Oh yeah, both these teams are gonna be able to score three touchdowns. <laughs> no. There there might be like two touchdowns total in this game. Minnesota's offense is not not good at all. And Minnesota's got they got a fairly good defense. Alright, Josh, let's think. Who scores more? Minnesota's defense, Iowa's defense, Minnesota's offense, Iowa's offense. Minnesota special teams or Iowa special teams. Which group scores the most in this game?
1: I think Iowa's special teams or defense has a chance of leading this game in scoring. The last time these guys matched up there was twenty three points, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. This is disgusting. This is true sicko's game. Um, I'm gonna say give me Minnesota special teams leading this. And actually, me Minnesota on the upside oh I like it
1: okay so we've got we got Minnesota special teams versus Iowa special teams in this one and, hey, give me give me Iowa I don't want to pick them but I'm gonna take them.
0: Josh if you haven't seen before the it's a fairly big rivalry game and the trophy they played for they play for is called the Floyd of Rosedale and it's like a giant 200 pound bronze pig <laughs> of course it is it's like the most Midwest thing ever amazing yeah it it's like a 100 plus year rivalry like it's actually kind of fun um i don't have it on our notes josh but i'm just gonna go through a couple of games that look like they could be interesting uh, i certainly do not think this is gonna be an interesting game preseason oklahoma state at west virginia west virginia is a three and a half point favorite this should be a fun one the big 12 winners in second place i'm excited for this one i kind of like west virginia this one just because they're gonna look to for a get right game especially losing on a hill mary that's a tough way to lose think neil brown's gonna be fired up and try to get west virginia to bowl eligibility
1: yeah it's not one that we would have picked preseason as you said and, and i don't think you'd have ever thought you'd have been picking west virginia in that one either to start the year but yeah this is gonna <laughs> be a this could be a fun certainly one. not
0: this be a good game Could be high scoring as well also in the big 12 texas at houston texas coming off their bye i think this is gonna be pissed off sark time where texas might hang 70 on houston He's going to want to try to prove a point. I'm Give me like a Quinn Ewers, like 400 yards, six touchdown kind of game. Xavier Worthy just goes off. Huge all over the Longhorns. They are a 23-point favorite. I'm taking them to cover on that one, man. Yeah, I
1: was just looking at the line as well and thinking I'm definitely going to take them to cover. The over under 61-5 as well, which I think I could take that
0: because, as you said, I could see Texas scoring that themselves. Yeah, Sark's definitely looking to make a point and be like, hey, we're still you know, a top 10 team and people should pay attention to us jump over to the sec number 13 Ole miss taking on auburn in the only reason i'm talking about this it's the hugh freeze bowl hugh freeze was at Ole miss fired for reasons uh now at auburn uh lane kiffin's just gonna look to run this score up auburn's offense is anemic they can't get 100 yards passing i'm all over Ole miss on this one like i think that they'll probably win by 49. You know what the line is in this one the line is six and a half oh I'm over
1: that six and a half i'm all
0: over that yeah this is a uh, this has got blow blowout all over it and same time slot a rematch of the big 12 championship tcu taking on kansas state in manhattan kansas wildcats are a six and a half point favorite in this one uh this is a game that we thought might be a preview of, like maybe the big 12 championship part three uh i don't know tcu had a nice win this week against byu where they blew them out and then kansas state had a nice get back or bounce back victory against texas tech both are TCU's four and three kansas state's four and two this is will be a huge direction change for both these teams in the season like losers of this one could end up spiraling and maybe get the 500 while the winner is going to try to like make a surgeon to like try to get to uh, that eight nine win mark yeah
1: and i think i have tcu in this one you know josh hoover played a good game last week uh, completed 37 passes of 439 balls and, four scores, and... Did, did throw the ball 58 times though so yeah, i imagine imagine he's got a bit of That's a sore arm enough. this week so yeah maybe it's not a wise pick but yeah i think uh i think this tcu offense has started to find find a little bit of rhythm like putting up 44 points last week and yeah we'll see we'll see this week but yeah give me tcu in this one
0: i'm gonna go Kansas state josh i'm gonna hurry up right now because we're getting long this one 7 30 rivalry game michigan at michigan state uh, Michigan is going to look to beat the hell out of Michigan State and continue making examples out of these crappy teams. Give me Michigan by, like, I don't know, 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Second that. Give me up by 70. Also at 8, Clemson at Miami. Again, one of these, the loser of this game, the mo- momentum in the direction of their season is going to take a downward turn while the winner is going to take an upward turn. Clemson is a 3.5-point favorite. I like Miami on the bounce back here. Oh, give me Clemson. Give me Clemson. I think Clemson will take uh, we'll take down the U here. Like, I think, think the offense is finding a little bit of rhythm. All right, we're going to finish it out late on the West Coast. Arizona State versus Washington. Washington coming off a very high high. It's one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 with Arizona State. I like Washington here. However, I think Arizona State can cover because I think Washington's going to be busy looking ahead at some big games next week or in two weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see it as well. I could see Arizona State. A L- little bit of a hangover for Washington, but – I mean, if they're on their game, this is going to be a, a comfortable blowout for Washington. But we'll see which version of them we get. Do we get hungover Washington or ready to go Washington?
0: Can we over Washington? Yeah, I can see it. And then finally, number 25, UCLA at Stanford. Um, can Stanford keep the momentum going? Probably not.
1: <laughs> I don't trust them fully. I, I don't trust them, and I think this UCLA defense is uh, is very solid. So, yeah, we'll see we'll see give me the Bruins I
0: agree yeah I agree with you on that one all right that was our longest episode to date because there's a lot of football to talk about and it's been fucking awesome like I love college football man it's the best it's been such a fun year as you said all the big matchups have lived up to the
1: hype and we've had so many other good games as well it's yeah it's been a treat this year and it seems like it's only gonna
0: get better all right that's gonna do it for us I'm Tyler that's Josh any final thoughts no final thoughts. Shout out the Patreon, uh, patreoncom
1: football. Shout out the YouTube. Follow us on the YouTubes. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, we got a little a little treat. I think mean, we've got a live live podcast coming up. So I'll be excited. I'll tell you, tell you more about that one next week.